0: Bum 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 You're listening to Tove, a podcast about the good place and Jewish ideas. Hey, it's John Spirisavet and Rebecca Rosenthal. Hi Rebecca. Hi
1: John, nice to be back.
0: Yeah, good to see you. In in Earth Time, this is the first recording after the new year of 2023.
1: (laughs) If only we could remember to write 2023 on our checks.
0: I know. I I feel like
1: no one writes a check anymore. You're just Venmo people. (laughs) So they know what date it is in the computer.
0: That's true. Venmo. So for people who are on spaceships listening to this while traveling in the future to Alpha Centauri, Venmo was a very old school, what we called an app to, you know, do money transfers. With. So we're going into season four. And are you having any just sort of quick thoughts about rewatching the, the show this far with with the the eyes of the podcast or just, you know, watching it this iteration?
1: You know, it's I haven't been watching rewatching every episode. I mostly watch my own episodes, and sometimes the one before, or the one after. And and this is a strange way to watch a television show. I never watch a television show that way, right? Usually, I start at the beginning and watch till the end. As as we've discussed, I think on this podcast, I've watched you know The West Wing many times, but I never just. With one exception, I never just watch a random episode at a random time. On Thanksgiving, we watch a Thanksgiving episode. The Indians (laughs) in the lobby, my sisters and I. Oh, the West um, Wing,
0: that's a great one, yeah.
1: Yes, but other than that, I don't really watch a TV show this way, but it's interesting because I have to sort of try to remember like what happened before and what happened after, but it also kind of allows you to take the episode as it is without a lot of baggage from all the other stuff. So get a little of each.
0: So it, it really hasn't been that long again in like recording time since we had the, our first recording in season three of the Good place. But for the first for, for the, what will be the penultimate time, we'll ask you this and then we'll we'll talk about it when the whole series is over. Do you have any thoughts as to who who you most are of our main characters at the moment?
1: Well, Eleanor can certainly quote, quote Kant better than I can now. So I don't think I can be Eleanor anymore. I would like to be Chillaxed cheaty. I was into that. I really I enjoyed Chillaxed Cheedy from this from this from this episode a lot. I thought he was very 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 interesting and very fun. But i i still i i I still think I'm Michael. Hmm. I, I I stand by that, even even as Michael also changes. But I also I. I mean, I really love Eleanor as a character, and I think in this in this season in particular, when she sort of knows everything and is has a lot more control, you you actually get to see the ways in which in which she has grown. Like she tortures Chidi, and she enjoys it a little, but not too much. And and you get to see kind of the ways in which she comes to see that manipulating people is actually not the only thing that can bring you joy in life. <laughs>
0: yes. And I think it's fun that, you know, the difficult thing they do in the show is they, they manage to bring back the references to, to what she now knows are the odious parts of her earthly past, but they sprinkle them in, you know, even as she has evolved to the place that she was, as I'm sure we'll quote along the way. Uh, so you want to give us this uh, summary? And I should say, if I haven't before, as, we're, as I'm trying to earn more more points toward whatever good place there is that these summaries are largely taken from Wikipedia, and then I lightly edit them. So but I don't know who the individual is who, who who put the first version of this this summary down. But Rebecca, you can give us the episode. Have
1: you asked a chat GPT to write you an AI summary of the good place?
0: Oh, that's um, a really good idea. I have asked it to, I did, I will say that I asked it with, along with my daughter who's studying physics, it was my idea to ask it how it would explain Schrodinger's cat to a cat. And and I will happily post the response in the show. Notes, so.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I think you get a lot of negative points for using chat GPT to like write your paper and do your homework. So
0: absolutely. Uh, don't do that. If don't you're do listening, that. if you're within don't do that. college years, do not <laughs>
1: do that. You, you know, we even got a letter from our high school and our middle school saying, don't do that. You're, you know, do not, do not use chat GPT as it again, it is against the academic honor code. So
0: <laughs> yes. Again, um, for those on their way to Alpha Centauri, uh, papers were a thing people used to do when they went, when they learned things, when they used to go to buildings physically in order to learn stuff as they were growing up.
1: Yes. Although my, my husband who is an academic now says he thinks he has to go back to like in-class blue book tests to avoid chat gpt so you know maybe we're going backwards in the world and a hundred years from now we'll all be you know no phones no internet nothing (laughs) just writing in our blue books and reading out of textbooks who knows anyway chapter 42 chillaxing (laughs) written by aisha muharar and directed by anya adams Chidi is too relaxed to focus his energy towards helping the other humans, so Eleanor and Michael decide to create some unbearable tension for him. Jason will admit to Chidi that he is not Jianyu the monk and doesn't belong in the good place, and will ask him to lie to the other residents. Chidi tries to teach Jason moral philosophy and maintain Jason's cover. Eleanor becomes obsessed with torturing Chidi because she is upset with him for abandoning her by sacrificing his memory for the sake of the experiment. But when Chidi confesses to Eleanor his fear that the universe is punishing him, she breaks down in tears. Chidi decides to relieve his angst by offering Jason to teach him ethics. Janet helps Tahani recreate elite VIP experiences for John in the hopes that she can sell him that studying ethics is trendy. When John declines, Tahani tries to confront him directly about how his work hurt people, but John just lashes out in response. Tahani finally finds common ground with John when she realizes that they both feel alone and isolated, independent of which side of the velvet rope they were on. And he apologizes for his hurtful posts.
0: All right. And I think I I may have, this is my fault and not Wikipedia author for perhaps a displacing when it is that Jason is studying ethics in this episode. Minor point there. Any fun fan Ravi, fan Jewy? Notes from this episode.
1: Okay. Well, I had a lot. Actually, this episode was <laughs> although it was very touching and emotional, it it was so there were so many really funny parts. The action figures of famous philosophers that she <laughs> had. I I loved that. I thought that was really I thought that was really funny. The whole thing about Pasha's spa and the <laughs> mushrooms from Oprah's Bog and and ethics as a colonic for your soul. I mean, Tahani really, she really tried to sell it very hard. And I, I appreciate that. And my, and the Pam Anderson boob motorcycle, (laughs) that was, that was, that was great. And just in general, I mean, maybe this makes me like Eleanor, but tortured cheaty is a much more hilarious cheaty than chillaxed cheaty. But (laughs) also when Michael says chillaxing, it's a word I just invented, (laughs) combining cheaty and relaxing, which was really funny. But I think for me, the the funniest part was when Michael is talking to Eleanor about her being angry at Chidi. And then he, then he says, you know, well, I don't have a full grasp on the human emotional system. Like you're angry when you should be sad and you text while you should be driving, which is not an emotion, but it's insane. <laughs> that was my favorite line. I think in the whole, in the whole thing, because it's completely true. People should not text and drive. And I just, you know, the, the good place has this gift for really infusing these very meaningful and moments of a lot of character growth with just a lot of hilarity. And oh, and one other one I I wrote <laughs> down was Jason and the metaphorical jar when he keeps thinking they need yeah. help opening a peanut butter jar, but in <laughs> fact they want his help torturing chi. <laughs>
0: It was great. <laughs> it's very so. funny. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking when Michael does these things like the, the chillaxing line that he, he you almost can see him like like, I know I didn't invent this, but I'm like gonna try to act cool like I like I did when he's covering himself. Yeah.
1: I don't work in a writer's room, but I just imagine the right the moment someone in the writer's room came up with that joke. Like it must have been a great moment when everyone was like, yes. Relaxing, cheating plus <laughs> relaxing, like that feels like one of those things that definitely hit someone like in the shower or at three o'clock in the morning. They like woke up and were like, "We got to use this joke somewhere."
0: <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know. To your point about you know tortured cheaty, I, I do think that like it it gets sold even better by this. You know, so he it gets asked this. I think it's Eleanor. What would Kant say about your duty to help your fellow human beings? Well, honestly, when the weather's this perfect, I think Kant would say, "Who's up for some frisbee golf?" <laughs> that is
1: so- that. That part was great, and also the ants that are helpful. That
0: oh my god! I, yeah. I
1: watched this episode twice, and and I think the first time I missed that the ants were bringing in the bottle of champagne while Eleanor is in there talking to Chidi, and Michael's like, "Not now!" I must have zoned out at that moment the first watch, but I caught it in the second watch, and that was that <laughs> part was also. It was nice CGI they got going. The
0: part where I guess it is uh, John who says, hey girl, when I hit up the spa tomorrow, I want to try that new Little Mermaid treatment. The one where they remove <laughs> your vocal cords and it somehow makes your legs look amazing. On so many levels. <laughs> yeah, that was- I, I had to stop and like hear, like hear that. <laughs> That's like five jokes packed into one line.
1: I would love to talk to someone who wrote for this, who wrote for this show. <laughs>
0: The first time I ever saw it, the Little Mermaid was was about I want to say you know three quarters of a mile away from probably where you are sitting on the on the west side of Manhattan with a bunch of little summer camp kids, some of whom, one of whom at least, was a little girl who started screaming at that part where where the Little Mermaid. <laughs> the
1: well, tree. you know, as as you know, all the original fairy tales are all very like gruesome, violent. Yeah. horrific star stories where like people die or get tortured and we've turned them into children's stories, which is interesting and strange. And you know, what does that say about us as a culture? But that's for, that's for a different podcast. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think like that particularly little mermaid line, like whips us between like horrifying and hilarious in like, <laughs> faster even than I talk, which was great. And his John's like his pattern, like that whole thing about the honey when I ran into, I don't even know who all these people are. Robbie Williams, Heidi Klum, blah, blah, blah. And his, you know, hate him, Lothar, over them, cancel it, tell me everything. Like with just great. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I, You know, I was listening to a previous episode of this podcast where you and Dan Ross were talking about entourage and how neither of you had ever heard of entourage. And I was like, This is why you need Sari e. Laufer and me, because we <laughs> have heard of Andraj and all those people. We are, we are here to help with your pop culture references.
0: Oh, that's good. Yes. <laughs> the And again, this is sort of like, I think, classic Good Place joke is when at the end, as is, is Jason is Is trying to make Chidi's life helping him easier. You rule. You're like the Pam Anderson boob mice motorcycle of people. Yes. That was a great line. (laughs) Which was like, which called me back to the Tahani thing in season one about Ellen or like, she is like the Walmart of friends. (laughs) Yes. A good, there's a good moment. The, my old motorcycle with Pamela Anderson airbrushed on the side. It exploded a week after I got it because someone wanted to see what would happen if they poured lighter fluid in the engine. Was that someone you, yes. Turns out it explodes, explodes. And uh, call, what is it? Oh, uh, I think that there was something there about like, that's what motorcycles. After the
1: like, second like, explosion, what? Chidi says to, I'm sorry, Jason says to Chidi, that's what motorcycles do. And she's yeah. like, mm, no, yes. <laughs> not.
0: Oh uh, my goodness! And uh, I did like the thing there, where and as you were quoting the uh, the po- posh wash, and it's, it's a great Tahani episode about the membership is based on weight and net worth. Gain a pound or lose a pound, and you're out. And again, I had to like see that on paper to see the what the English I'm sure called double entendre. <laughs> there. Oh my goodness!
1: But I mean, this this episode was just so amazingly brilliant at showing you the growth of the characters. And I think one of the things that's so interesting about this season and I guess the end of last season a little bit is like ostensibly it's about the four new humans and Chidi that are, are you know supposed to be growing and becoming better people. But really it's still about you know the four original people and their own growth and their own you know and their own progression as people and you know obviously trying to get into the good place and and even though they're supposed to be the teachers you see how much they learn and grow along the way
0: yeah and i think that season 4 is my my favorite tahani season because of episodes like this where where the where the joke i mean even the last season the the joke about the rich and entitled you know was kind of you started to move a little off that just one note thing. And and here you really, you really get it with, I think, uh, not just, oh, I, you know, making my, that's who I was, but she has these real moments of kind of trying to use it and moments of realizing what's in that. And I was glad that she was featured so much here. And I also think that I like, and this is kind of maybe my segue into a thematic thing is this is, I think the amazing thing about even 22 minutes of TV that they managed to kind of play one story off the other. So brilliantly, which, not that I speak for 22 minutes on a Shabbat morning, I'm sure some people think I do, but if I did, I would want to layer two stories in together. And I think you've got this thing of how can we get Chidi to kind of advance, we'll, we'll try this sort of indirect, we'll orchestrate a situation for him, you know, and then you've got Tahani and, and John's thing, which is the like direct what happens when you when you confront someone approach and so what i was thinking about was really one of my favorite mitzvahs in the torah it's written in the torah in leviticus chapter 19 verse 17 and it says do not hate your brother in your heart i think it says like confront yes confront your fellow and don't carry guilt because of them and so, and, and I use the Hebrew term, maybe we'll end up using it because I actually don't like any of the English translations, which is this like confront is, which is a great Hebrew word that I feel like it has, it has all the, it, the, the root word of that has to do with, with presence, with debate, with, it can be sort of. Confrontational. It can be sort of like truly present, like all these things mixed up together. And so the ba- I think the the awful translations of the Torah call it like rebuke. Yes, rebuke your fellow. And I remember I remember actually where I was in college in Hillel on a Shabbat afternoon hearing this mitzvah taught for the first time, saying like, yeah, you can be, you're angry at someone and you actually have a mitzvah of like doing something about that. You're upset with something they did. You're actually supposed to like go at it. And, and, uh, and it would be wrong to just bury that. And there's actually a mitzvah to kind of deal with your anger and you don't want to end up, you don't want to stay in hate over something someone did. And uh, therefore you have this kind of duty to, to confront them but not confront i think in the way we use confrontationally I, so the
1: i think rebuke is better than confront because i really like
0: you do it, yeah
1: because i think confront feel i don't know maybe rebuke also feels more adversarial but confront feels like i don't know i'm going to confront you about what you did i don't know it's a for me all these things are impossible to try yeah to.
0: yeah actually and i hate yeah so i will try to maybe say hocheach okay or Tochacha is the noun, the noun form in Hebrew, I guess con front in English is like con is with, I think, and front is like being in front, which I think has some, um, you know, for the Hebraists, I think the word is like nochach or nochachut when you're sort of in front of someone in a strong, in a st- either strongly present posture, or maybe this other kind of posture where there's some kind of uh, equilibrium that needs to be restored. It's, um, it's most
1: like, don't let things fester.
0: Yes, definitely. Don't let things fester. And so in the Babylonian Talmud, this is Arachin, page 16b, it says, From where is it derived with regard to one who sees something kind of unseemly in, in another person, that you have an obligation to hocheach, that person. And then it quotes this verse and if one if one rebuked him for his action, but he did not accept the rebuke, from where is it derived that he must rebuke him again, the verse like doubles the verb it's tochiach. One might have thought that one should continue doing this even if their face changes, like you know drains of color due to humiliation, therefore it says, "But do not carry guilt be- because of it, meaning that's sort of a limiting a limiting factor the, so there's both this obligation but this awareness that like you can also hurt someone in the process of doing that. And so then it goes on, the Talmud says that, uh, Rabbi Tarfon says, I would be surprised if there's anyone in this generation who can receive, because if one doing it says to him, remove the splinter from between your eyes, the other one says to him, remove the, the beam from between your, your eyes. And, uh, you know, which is exactly what happens when Tahani initially, you know, tries the direct approach to John is that he kind of, you know, Fling[s] it back to her. You think you you think I'm the one who does these things, and then and I think that it it goes on in the in the Talmud, which again we'll put the whole text in the in the notes to sort of think about this question of whether you should, you know, whether when's there a value of letting things kind of fester, and when you know how much you have to calibrate your your direct critique or criticism of someone. To the response you're getting and how much you have the obligation to that person to help them sort of realize what they're doing and and i like it because i feel like there's a you know it's a much more graphic way than most ethical philosophy has i think of of dealing with this question of do you have responsibility for someone else's things and we know in the good place they have kind of a a year an earth year to Actually, effectuate a change. So, you know, they've been they've been trying these other things, like you know, which is often what you do. Like, I think we all know that generally, you can't really change someone by telling them to change. That doesn't work. And so, I like that the the Talmud has this calibration of hocha'ach tochiah. You have to assess whether you can do it, and then like assess whether by doing it, you know, you should whether whether the repeated verb means keep doing it or or not. And in the episode, Tahani, you know, she goes at this twice. First, she tries the situational first. Let me just like sort of, I mean, I almost trick him into buying into this ethical, into this ethics class, so he can change himself. And uh, and John totally doesn't. You know, mm, go to a philosophy class? I don't think so. You know, and I think there are a couple times where Tahani, like in in previous episodes too, arrives at this idea that I think I'll just tell someone what's on my mind and see if that if that works. And I'm trying to think if she's better at that Usually I think maybe that's what they model often in the show, where they like something happens and finally toward the end, like someone has the heart to heart. Because and I wonder, you know, this is making me think about the language of Hocheach to Chiach, that there's sort of it's not a an action you do once. It's some you have to sort of test it out and then and then figure out how to how to complete it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting to think about this theme as we think about the end of this episode, because I think you're right. Tahani does this pretty well. And then we have the end of the episode where Eleanor realizes like, she does need to confront Chidi because she's really upset about him, but she can't cause she'll ruin the experiment. His, his memory has been erased and he doesn't know anything about their history. And there's like something very complicated there. And, and when, when you raised this theme, I actually went to a different text, which is from the midrash from Brashit rabba from, from a discussion of, of Genesis about Abraham and Abimelech, who's one of the kings that he encounters. And the text says, Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Hanina says, rebuke leads to love. As it Mm. says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Such indeed as is Rabbi Yossi ben Hanina's view, for he said, love unaccompanied by rebuke is not love.
0: Mm. And
1: I thought about that actually mostly with Tahani, because... In the end, she actually realizes that she and John can be friends, but they can't be friends until they get this kind of like rebuke of each other off of their chest, right? They have to actually come around to the idea that both of them have made mistakes in their lives and with regard to each other before they can really build that friendship. But it is to Hani's confrontation I guess of him that eventually leads to that point and I think you know the same thing Eleanor and Chidi it's much more complicated because she loves him and he can't love her because they're so because his memory's been wiped and everything's so complicated Mm -hmm. but in the end they can't build their relationship you know in the ultimate end they won't be able to build their relationship until they get past this experience of of Chidi having quote unquote abandoned her right that she doesn't that that she feels she feels abandoned by him even though he did it for all the right reasons even though she, he did it to ultimately save them in the end she feels angry and abandoned and because her memory isn't wiped she has to be able to eventually process those feelings
0: yeah yeah it's interesting also what you're saying about Tahani because i feel like as soon as as soon as they figured it out as soon as she figured out that john was put there to be her her test she had this idea like okay let me see if i could be friends with him and that was i think at the end of last season and one of the things i think that happens in the course of his initial response to her when she tries directly is that he's like you know even though this you know blog and all the stuff he did was so so trashy he's like like i had to do it like i worked really hard at this like this you know it was you know took a lot of work to get to become who i was even as he's sort of describing it in a in a in a way we don't like but actually even his even her getting him initially to vo- voice that stuff and then he he hops away with accusations to her it's and it doesn't usually work this way in real life like it it penetrates to her when she walks away from it and i think maybe in the torah i, I actually wonder to synthesize the the text that you brought like the in between the and the tochiach like the two uses of the the command, maybe the space is like, what what did I hear in the middle, you know, that could make me convert my, my hate, my reaction to this person into, into love. Like she comes to, first she realizes, oh, you know, he did this because, you know, of his feeling of exclusion. So he's getting back at us for all this stuff. And then she's like, oh my God, that's who I am. And, and I think her little, her line there is such a sweet gift about the, uh, well, my bangs were making my ears look chunky. That was a fair hit. Like, that was such a lovely. A lovely gift, you know, back to him, I think, once, once they got there.
1: But, you know, I think we know this from life, certainly, that it's very hard to be in a relationship with someone who you feel like you can't ever give any critique to, right? Because they're too sensitive, or they won't hear it, or they won't even try, right? Like, those things will just, as we talked about earlier, right, they'll just fester, and they'll stay with you, and you'll be mad about them. And eventually they will come to, you know, corrode and, and destroy your relationships. And I know like you and I, both as rabbis speak to people who are approaching the end of their lives or are approaching the end of a parent's life or a grandparent's life. And, you know, at least I always encourage people to try to say the things they feel like they need to say, because, you know, both good, good things and, and things that are more difficult because you don't want. You don't want to live with those things, and you certainly don't want to die with those things. And I think Tahani and John kind of get there. They have it out a little bit with each other, and they come out stronger, and, and eventually Eleanor and Chidi will have to get over this obstacle to their own relationship, because otherwise they won't be able to be eternal soulmates forever and ever.
0: Yeah, and I think that that will happen pretty easily. And again, I think in Chidi's case, like it's a very, it's a much more indirect. It's not about some action, even, or you know, or like set of things he did to someone else. You know, he didn't go out to hurt people, but his existence was. <laughs> As we know, trying on people because of his best man and all that. In terms of indecision, or you know, what was what did he say in one episode? Like everyone I've ever loved or ever known. And, and later on, when he has his flashback of his whole life, like he he immediately processes that, but it's it's much bigger. John's thing is like a specific. I mean, he did legitimately something wrong. Like this is a this is something bad he did, you know, and that he he gets to the point where he. Where he owns up specifically to each of the kinds of things he did up to the what was it the playbill that uh... playbill
1: that he wrote during wicked and passed to tahani and then pretended was from someone else it's great (laughs) but you know it's interesting because i I, as we were talking i'm reminded of the very beginning of the episode where we didn't we which we didn't talk about which was janet and tahani talking about her breakup and janet reading a list of things to do When you break up with someone, right, do something crazy with your hair, watch Mama Mia, here I go again, <laughs> right? And and but you know you could also think about like is there any role in a in a breakup about thinking about did you give rebu- you rebuke in an appropriate way, right? Could you have could you have changed or saved their relationship somehow, if you had figured out how to fight with each other. I mean, that's one of the things I'm sure you talk to couples about before you get married, which is how do you resolve conflicts? And you don't resolve conflicts by pretending they don't exist, right? You, you resolve conflicts by resolving them. And by saying, you know, when you, when you do X, Y, and Z, this really hurts me, or it's really a problem for me. And let's figure out how to, how to do it better.
0: Yeah, the part about this that I I wish I had better in my life is the ability to not panic when that kind of conversation goes badly, you know, in the moment and say, okay, now, you know, I did that wrong. And that's like it forever. So I think Tahani's first attempt to confront John is, I don't think she did it wrong. I think she would probably had to have done it that way in order for them to them have had the next conversation i don't know that there's realistically that you could avoid that like there's no perfect way she could have approached those topics and somehow they both in they're very like they're very different you know she is supposedly more evolved at this point than he is and and she's already gone through her teshuva you know once with regard to her her sister and kind of arrived at something about her parents and john is Probably for the first time, kind of. And I guess the neighborhood is set up so that he doesn't have to, right? She's the only person he has an issue with, so he doesn't have to, you know, deal with his whole life. But they somehow manage to both come back for the next conversation. And that's the high part. For me personally, I panic. If I if I try really hard to say something that, you know, raises an issue but is, you know, correct, whether it's in my family or 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 somebody else, and it doesn't that first conversation doesn't go well, I am like, Oh my God. I've done a horrible thing <laughs> we'll never get it back <laughs> that kind of patience is is my challenge in this process
1: well you know I think you get all kinds of people right you get that you get the people who are like I'm right and I will not speak to you until you until you admit that right they're they're. There are those people. And I think like, you know, I have a little bit of that. Like, I'm not going to talk to you until you admit that I'm right and you're wrong. And my husband probably said I have a lot of that, but that's (laughs) fine. But, you know, eventually calm down and have an actual conversation about it. And I think the Tahani John piece was so, it felt so relatable because sometimes you start out by being like, you know, fists up and we're going to, we're going to fight it out. And then you realize actually like, there's so much underneath what you were fighting about and you know tahani's like oh my god i realized he feels this way and i feel this way and if we can I, I, even i can give him rebuke about how he made me and other people feel with while also having some empathy for the fact that he felt alone or outside or or you know on on the wrong side of the velvet rope at, at any point and i think yeah. her coming to that realization right the i think if you think about the rebuke that that leads to love or the love that comes with rebuke. It's really about empathy, right? It's about the way you present the rebuke from a place of empathy and not from a place of conflict or stubbornness or needing to prove that you're right.
0: So, you know, Tahani has the benefit of being able to talk this over. I guess it's with Janet who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who who we will subsequently learn is not really Janet, but bad Janet. Who who says like right? Who suggests the uh, the boxing gloves? Do I have the right episode? I watched it. No, that's the right one. Couple a couple have been watching a couple at once, and John presumably doesn't have someone to 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 have. So when she comes back, she says, "You know, John, I have something to say." And he's like, "Round two, let's do this." And and then she has to kind of, in a way, do that work for for him. And initially, you know, this whole thing which she tells the story about Paul Allen's mega yacht and Leonardo DiCaprio's birthday party, like, she has to work really hard to she has to be that person for him you know the way that she's got all these friends who do that for her and i guess that's what you know what parents are best as you know hopefully when we go to our children after they're pissed at us and for something we said to them wrong my
1: children are never pissed at me what are you talking about
0: <laughs> thinking of that setting where we try to relate to their situation but uh, yeah she really it takes a lot and maybe what i'm thinking about now is that the reciprocal this sort of mirroring of the verb in this verse and the Torah Joge art, you know, confront, yes, confront is that there's sort of a you think you're talking, I mean, I guess this is you know psychology 101. You think you're talking about the extra the other person and developing your empathy and love for them, but you you probably need to figure out some insight into yourself. or you at least ask yourself, okay, is this like am I upset about this because of how it's a mirror, a mirror in me? And I think it's interesting because you know Tahani, who has always thought, you know, I've I was put in this situation by my parents who constantly preferred my my sister, and and I had to do all these things in this futile attempt to to please them. I think kind of takes it out of the parent context, which is which is nice too, and sort of finds it in a in a I mean, John doesn't care about. It. Well, I guess John knows, right, that her that she's Camilla's sister, so probably she comes up with something that doesn't give him ammunition to, to throw that back yeah. at her. Because I was asking myself, like, was this realistic, you know, that these between these, obviously, two conversations, but yeah, she did a lot of work. And and he and he met her there, which was, uh, you know, do I buy that it would happen, you know, in two conversations? No, probably not. But I don't have to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like you know, she's talking about the party. And he's like, I see we're name dropping three at a time now, right? <laughs> like, that, that, that I think you're probably right that the timeline is compressed for TV. I don't think people have that kind of revelation around personal growth. But I think, when when the group meets up again and Tahani says like, I think his learning will be about like regular human connections and relationships. This goes to another idea about sort of how do we give everybody what they need and help people grow in the ways that they need to grow. Like what kind of feedback can we give to people that will help them improve and grow in, in the ways that they need. And, and Tahani tries with the, you know, ethics colonic for your soul or whatever, but, but it, that's not what John needs, actually, right? What he needs is a friend, someone to watch Britney Spears's Crossroads unironically with him. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, and and someone who you feel like if you have a friendship where you can do this ha back and forth, like I, in a way, her her, her name dropping thing, you know, gave him a punch he could land. That's just probably a bad metaphor. It's different from the Michael Eleanor conversations, like even in this episode where where you know where the mentor says something wise to the to the other person. And, you know, and here she kind of has to help. She sort I don't know if she means to, but she kind of gives him an opportunity to equalize the, the field, like we're going to do this again. But immediately, she gives him something he can fling at her and just sort of get his juices going. And maybe that that enables him to feel sort of like, I don't know, a little more stable and less like, okay, Hectoring, this mentor I didn't ask for, is going to try to guide me.
1: Well, you know, I've been thinking about Jason in this in the context of this conversation because literally everything rolls right off of his back, right? Like people criticize him constantly, and he never gets upset about it. He never like goes into a corner and cries. He doesn't get mad. He just like he's like okay, 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 you know, like <laughs> let me get on my boot motorcycle, right? Like he he's like impervious to criticism and anything and. I don't know if it's necessarily because of that, but he exhibits sort of the least amount of growth of anyone in the series. And I think part of his character is like, I am who I am and I'm very happy with it. And, you know, I am I'm good. And that's, you know, and, and there are people in the world who who are like that. But it's interesting to think about, like, how could you get Jason to respond to a criticism and would he? And and I think one of the interesting contrasts in this episode is that instead of trying to get Jason to change, they take his very Jason-ness and use it to help Chidi, right? Like Jason is the only one who could possibly be Jason enough to give (laughs) Chidi a stomach ache and, you know, forever or whatever, (laughs) hyperventilating till he throws up or whatever Eleanor says about him. And instead of trying to change Jason and and get him to quote Kant or whatever, they're like, you know what, we're going to actually embrace the essence of his Jason-ness for our, for our end goals.
0: Hmm. There's, yeah. there's no
1: critique there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Probably one of my favorite of my own lines to open a sermon on the high holidays was I, I got up and, you know, services have already been going on for a couple hours. And I said, if you could... I don't know for the exact words, but I said something like if, if you had one wish and you could use it to change one person, who would you use it on? Yourself or the person sitting next to you? And, you know, got a big laugh of the person sitting next to me. And, and and I used it to talk about this mitzvah, you know, review, confront. And and in the course of it, I was, you know, again, because as I say, mo- most people don't change because someone tells them to change to their face. And, and, I, and I was talking to my Good friend and best man, actually Ben Carney, who is a professor of social psychology at UCLA and who studies intimate relationships, so kind of you know life partners. And have him on this
1: podcast. I've been been trying.
0: I've been trying to. Yes, I'm not sure he watches the show, so we gotta gotta work on that. And uh, and he pointed me toward all these things that were sort of the. In a way, the Cheaty part of the the episode, which was, you know, what can you do situationally? You know, how can you set up a situation that makes it more easy? Really, which was all, which which was what they wanted to do for Cheedy, you know, by throwing Jason at him, and it's what Tahani originally wanted to do for John, you know, which was to create an environment in which he would uh, feel supported in the changes he he needs, and and among the many things that uh, that Ben, who's who's, is written a book called Love Me Slender about, you know, how people support each other in in things like eating habits, is that, you know, you can do a number of things, you know, you can, you can certainly tell someone to eat better, or you can, if you're the one who is responsible for buying the groceries, you can buy good things and have them around and like make tasty meals with them and like, relieve the other person of the burden of thinking about this thing that you're that you're consumed about for them and just, you know, make the life change really easy. And and so I think that there's a a lot of us and maybe those of us who are educators in classrooms where, you know, we want to get the kids in the next, hour to learn x you know it's it's not look at this paper and you know learn this thing it's you know how can we set up a a learning environment and so i really love this restoration of this kind of mitzvah through tahani as like well i I tried that approach and that's not going to work at some point we're going to have to name the issue and then i guess she gets to deepen the issue like it's not oh john's an annoying guy who writes mean things but this is who John is, and this is who I am, and uh, and I guess there's a you know you have to know when to do when to do each thing you know, and uh, I guess the Torah is saying like you you really have to ask you know you have to you have to ask yourself can you have the direct conversation like when can you have it, and if you're not gonna have it you have a good reason not to which you might very well you don't want to embarrass the person or set them back.
1: It's very interesting that it it comes from Tahani, mm. because I think she in her earth life. Has in some ways, like possibly with the exception of Chidi, probably the most issues with someone telling her she's not perfect. Right, Chidi has issues because it makes him like perseverate and have a stomach ache because maybe he hurt someone or didn't do the right thing. Right, Ellen or and Jason it basically rolls off their in their earth life. But to Hani, right, to be told that she's not perfect or she's not as good as her sister, right, these kinds of ideas are harmful to her in a very very deep way, hmm. and she both has to. Overcome the idea that being criticized is not the end of the world, and figure out a way to give critique to John in a way that he can hear it and might be able to respond to it.
0: Hmm. This may take us far afield, but I, you know, I, I, I do think sometimes about where the Jewish ethics around criticism in the in the public sphere go when it comes to you know anything from legitimate journalism to maybe not salacious things, but just the kinds of things we're always writing, you know, that that either social media people do or bloggers. I am not that's not inherent. the forum isn't inherently the issue, but you know, people who, you know, who live to to dish on other people. And I think it's kind of cool that John is presented as someone like who does a thing that we are we're supposed to think is just inherently odious. But but somehow Tahani reaches a place where she's like, all right, you know, I can understand that some of the things I may have needed to learn about myself came from there. I'm not recommending John-style blogging as a, as a starting point to anything. I will say that it's funny in the, in the Talmud, this whole section does discuss a situation of, of rabbis in a, in a, in a classroom in, in Babylonia, where one of them... You know, bothers the other in class, and and then the other has to decide whether to complain to the teacher. And these are like named. I love it. I mean, it's a it's a great funny incident where they where uh, I just imagine these like you know rabbis whose whose words are quoted through the ages kicking each other under their desks. You know, while they're while they're composing the Talmud. Essentially, it's a funny vignette.
1: I I guess you know one thing that comes out of this. And the general idea of rebuke is the idea that adversity can lead to growth. And that's not a reason to invite adversity into your life, but it is something to think about in when you are facing either a criticism from someone or just a difficult time, which is adversity can, can lead you on a path that you might not have expected and actually if you're listening to the well, I don't know when this is going to come out, but, you know, we're finishing the story of Joseph who goes through a lot of adversity in his life, but also leads, to, it leads him to a lot of growth and both in his relationship with his siblings and just in terms of the role that he plays in the world. And so don't, don't mistake my theology as saying like, all suffering is, has a purpose, which is not great theology. But I think the idea that hearing a rebuke from someone might actually lead you to a place, of your improvement or an improvement in your relationship with that person, because they feel comfortable enough with you to, to say that is a, is at least an opportunity for change. And I think that that is something that this show definitely highlights, right? Chidi is the ultimate example of that. We put him in a terribly, in a terrible place so that he will, so that he will change and he will start teaching his class and and all of that. But I think even for Eleanor, who's, she's being tortured a little bit too, because she has to watch Chidi and know that they're not together. But, but I think, you know, the, this idea that, as she said, you have to get a little bit of sand in your, in your clam. And then <laughs> Michael says, oyster, <laughs> this, this idea. And, you know, I don't know, cause I don't need either of those, but yeah. this idea that a little bit of challenge is actually necessary for you to grow and change and to continue to evolve into the person that you are meant to be.
0: Yeah, and that this this mitzvah is kind of a it can be really a necessary practice, you know. That that you invite. I know that the Pirkei Avot, the the ethics and the the Talmud, says that one of the qualities of a, a rabbi is that you have to be oh etochei You have to actually love receiving it. You know, being criticized in these ways. And you were met, you were referencing the the Torah reading for for the week when we're recording and. One of the things that's interesting in the Joseph story, I think, is that you know these these brothers who threw him in a pit and left him possibly to die, and when he eventually is able to tell them like you know, like this is it happened, but it, it turned out okay. Like I'm gonna I'm in a position to save you and feed you as an Egyptian ruler and and all of that, is that he really doesn't give them a chance to. He doesn't say you know I hate you for what you did, but I've worked it through even, and and they don't say you know. We used to hate you as a as a little kid. Let's talk about why. And and actually, when he dies in the in the last fit, they they are afraid that that they haven't closed this loop. And there's I think a fear on his surviving family that that this didn't get done. And so they sort of invent. A, no, no, you've been forgiven for this. Oh, actually, no. It's in, it's interesting. What I didn't remember. It's when it's when Jacob dies. When their father yeah, yeah, yeah. dies. Well, when the they're worried are, about
1: his. When the, when they're worried about what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, is he gonna finally? You know, is he even holding back this confrontation? So actually, they make up a story, which they send to him. By the way, Daddy said, please forgive them. You know, they know they did badly, and you know, please forgive them. And and he and he sort of believes that, and he's like, no, no, it's okay. So they kind of create another scene. You know, also where they where they finally like fall in front of him and say, you know, we can be your your slaves, and he's like, no. And so they don't actually really complete that. And I don't know if the Torah is meaning to say, like, this is an icky sort of a icky scene. Because they completely short-circuited any of the Tochecha possibilities or even dilemmas.
1: Well, one of the things I appreciate about the fourth season is that it really moves. There are no episodes in the season that don't, like, fully move the plot ahead. And you can see in the last, you know, in the last shot of the episode, something is coming. Yeah.
0: All right. And we'll be moving ahead in that. And, and we'll look forward to, to talking to you more in this season, Rebecca. So I look forward to, to it. Re- Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's all for this installment of Tove. Thanks for listening. We've got show notes at tovgoodplace.com, where you can also find explanations of concepts we refer to in Jewish textual sources, along with other general links about Judaism and ethics. Subscribe to Tove on your app and give us a good rating and tell other people about us. Connect with us on social media, at Tove Good Place, or drop us a line with an idea or a question. Our email is tov at tovgoodplace.com. Rebecca Rosenthal is on Instagram at Rabbi Rebecca Bakes, and I'm John Spiracevet at rabbijohn.net, and on Twitter and Instagram at rabbi j s three. Thanks again for listening. Now go learn more about something good.
1: Bum, bum, bum,
0: bum, 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 bum.